Hey everyone, welcome to episode 140 of the End Focus podcast, the show where we were always so focused on whether we could, we'd never stop to think about whether we should. Uh, with me as always is Andrew Brown. Alan. <laughs> and uh, Tori Vassana. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have a dinosaur themed uh, intro there? Oh, Andrew completely cut out for me, so I didn't hear anything. Yeah, I, I only heard Alan. Oh, Okay. <laughs> That was how long it took me to uh, remember a Jurassic Park quote. <laughs> I'll use a name. Uh, There's a scene in the third movie where Alan, the main character from the first movie, wakes up, or, well, he he's uh, sleeping on an airplane, and he wakes up, and there's a raptor sitting in the chair beside him, and it says Alan. <laughs> oh. It's a, uh, a famously ridiculed scene. <laughs> Right. And rightfully so. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> as you can tell, we've uh, not got much in line for this show at all, so we're a bit silly. Uh, but we're going to talk about two games. The first one is Ashen, and the second one is Jurassic World Evolution. Uh, and that's the complete edition, which uh, launched on Switch late last year, I think. That's right. Yeah, back in November. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, let's get on with it. We've got no news, no real updates from the previous episode. Uh, so let's start with Ashen. So Ashen, um, so you know, behind the scenes Andrew sometimes complains at me that I spend too much time playing Souls games and not enough on Switch games, so here I present my loophole. <laughs> Ashen, which is a Souls-like on the Switch. So I'm just gonna get this out of the way, Dark Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls. Um, this is the game that FromSoft could have made if they only had a fraction of the budget when they were starting on uh, creating this series that became a whole subgenre. Comparisons are unavoidable, everything from the button layout, uh, the character and weapon weighting, the way the stamina works, how you have bonfires, which are shrines in this one, uh, souls, which is uh, Scoria sap, um, which you know you'll lose if you die, and then you can go reclaim them, same as you can in Dark Souls. <laughs> You have an Estus flask equivalent, which is a gourd. And yeah, so the, the whole setup is basically... It, it's a love letter to Dark Souls, an indie love letter to Dark Souls. Do you jump by holding down the run button, then pressing the run button again? No, it does have a dedicated jump button. It's just not oh, very good. Oh, good for them. Basic competence. I love that. <laughs> um, it does diverge in a lot of other ways. Thanks for the segue there. Um so obviously the plot is uh, told in a more upfront manner than From Software's games. Uh, in From's games, that's a lot of the appeal is that you know people work together and do uh, digital archaeology and trying to piece together the world's history. Uh, here, it's it's a bit more immediate, um, and it's uh, all focused on you know that classic uh, fantasy and mythology uh, tree, Yggdrasil. Uh, and a giant bird called Ashen. It's like a, a light-bringing bird that lives in cycles, who fell from the tree and caused three different ages with its dying three breaths. Uh, the game takes place in the third and final age, which is the age of men and darkness, which is, you know, more tones of Dark Souls there. Your character is someone that survives the light of the Ashen's rebirth, uh, which then refills the world with light. Uh, and then everything you do in the game to sort of rebuild the world. So that kind of ties into 
the difference between this and uh, from other games. So in Demon Souls, uh, your task is to save the world, but everything that you do presents an argument as to why you probably shouldn't. Dark Souls trilogy it asks the question: Is it better to survive as long as you can, even if the quality of life? continually diminishes or is it better to hard reset and cause a lot of strife up front uh, just so it can begin the cycle again and future cycles can prosper and you know go through the whole thing again ashen is basically everything's a bit crappy but together we can rebuild and you see this in uh, ashen's hub world which is basically it's firelink shrine where you will go out you'll bring allies back who will then rebuild while you're away questing so every time you come back everything looks different uh buildings will pop up you'll get new things like storage and uh, new things to buy and like those people will then give you quests to go rescue other people and those people will bring something back of value for to use in your adventure and the the cycle goes on like that so there's a, a real uh contrast with its inspiration there where this one's about building hope rather than everything being pointless, which is a little too close to home for a lot of people. The other area where this uh, diverges from Souls games is that uh, it's more of an open world and you get actual uh, quests with a quest log, you get side quests, you get mission markers, there's a map uh, is as not as friendly as it is, um, <laughs> but uh, it exists, and you know it'll it'll help you piece together where you need to go next. The open world, because it's more of an open world, it feels less purposefully designed than its inspiration, because uh, it's more open. Uh, there's less opportunity for them to sort of hit you with traps and everything, but it, it fits better with the the questing structure. And with that, it's more for me like a lot of Fromm's games are about the concrete and mastery of an area. Uh, whereas this about, this is more about just completing your goals and, and getting your rewards home safely. That does mean it it lacks some of my favourite part from from games where you know you're you're going through the tight spaces, the atmosphere is choking, and you sense that dangers around the corner, but you don't know where it's coming from. Um, there are sections that do nail that, but you know the the few and far between in comparison. Let's talk about the uh, quest structures so uh, there are key characters that will join you in vagrant's rest which is your hub world uh, they they will give you extra quests to go off out um, often that will give you another character to bring back as i mentioned um, and every time you go out you will take one of these characters with you who will follow you around so you can turn that off if you want an extra challenge you can that's done in the menu um so whereas Dark Souls uses summoning and uh, you know bringing in select NPCs to make it easier, uh, this game feels more like it's built around having a helper. And the character that joins you is kind of at random. Sometimes it's tied in with their quest, sometimes not. Um, now here's where the Ashen multiplayer is pretty interesting. So rather than uh, summoning other people or getting invaded, which doesn't happen in this. Uh, if you're connected to the servers, these characters can be replaced by other players if they happen to be in the same part of the story as you. Um, you'll never know unless you can tell that they're behaving differently and you know they have their own agency and all that. Um, otherwise, like the AI just sort of follows you pretty closely. Now, I love this incidental style of multiplayer. It's it's a bit like Journey. Um, and that you never know when you're going to have someone uh, with you. You can even communicate in the same way. You'll where you press uh, up on the D-pad, it'll do a, a chirp, 
to sort of draw attention to each other. I'd love to see a game like this lean way harder into that incidental type of multi- multiplayer, like as if, you know, where it has like dedicated shared spaces where you just happen to be in the same area and you can either choose to help each other or not. Um, that would feel more interesting, organic. I think Journey probably hits that mark a bit better. Um, and I also had that in, a, in my few short experiences with Destiny where you just sort yeah. of work you know you work into the same area and you figure it out and then before you realize it you're an accidental team doing the same thing um that would be really cool that's not what that is but you know um i do appreciate what they're going for with this um if you rest at one of the uh, ritual stones which is your bonfire that'll disconnect them it's all seamless no one's affected they'll stay in their game like you you never know it's happening there's no like obvious matchmaking or anything Talking of the bonfires, uh, how health works is uh, is cool. So you don't actually need to rest at the shrines to heal and refill your gourd. You just can walk near it. Uh, and walking near it doesn't reset any of the enemies. So you can just, if you're still within walking distance of a, a shrine and you've taken a bit of a beating, you can always run back and get back to where you were without having to fight through the same thing again. Uh, the only reason you would really need to rest is if you want to grind some souls or if you're at the start of a new area. So um, back to the quest structure. Um, all of the traps that you would see in like a Souls game where you know, you'd know you walk into an area, someone will sideswipe you or fall from the rafters or whatever, that all is kind of designed around pulling in your companion as well to leave you doubly vulnerable. Uh, also, they play on people... I think they figure that a lot of people will be going into this as Souls fans, and they sort of play on your expectations from Souls games. So, like, there's a dungeon with the, uh, you know, the skeletons that come to life, and I, I just played through that whole thing terrified they were going to keep coming back to life after being killed. Um, so there, there's little elements like that where they sort of play on, on what you know. The companions also in the early portion are kind of vital. They did a lot of heavy lift, lifting for me to the point where I was actually uh, getting annoyed that I wasn't getting a hit sometimes as I, was, as I was trying to keep my distance and figure out like their attack patterns. Um, so with that, it's not quite as methodical as Souls games can be compared to like where you go through an area on your first run and you're just you know taking every precaution. This is more you know you run in and your companion will help you the other way it diverges is uh how you can spend your souls or sap um i have to cover both i have to keep saying both elements because i will just default to saying the souls version by accident i can't help it it's too ingrained um so you can spend it on equipment upgrades so you can boost your god strength you can get more uses uh you can get new spears which are your only projectile and well worth investing in uh, though weirdly there's no lock on and shoot mechanic it's all done through manual aim uh, you can upgrade your weapons um, which means you can pick up any weapon and sort of boost it and let it focus on on what you want to use and how you want to play um, although my the best thing that I've been doing with this is uh, upgrading a weapon I like and then I keep using it until I find a weapon that does similar or more damage and then I start on that because the return on the upgrades then resets to like a cheaper level smart tapping my temple here you can't see that uh and uh you can also buy talismans and relics uh these are the closest thing you're going to get to magic builds in this uh they are basically runes that modify your skills so uh the relic i've got is one that every time i hit an enemy it will create an orb 
um, up to five orbs, and then every time I make a hit, it'll shoot five of these orbs at the enemy. So a bit of extra damage. Um, and then the uh, the talismans are, are kind of just modifiers, so I've got one that will boost my damage if if my companion is at good health, and you know, those sorts of things that will uh, you can gear yourself for specific specific threats and, and all that. Uh, dungeons, this one has them in a way where they you know, they feel like proper dungeons, not just part of the path that you follow through as you do in other Souls games. Uh, now, this is where it gets interesting because uh, you can equip one one-handed weapon and a shield and you can also equip a two-handed weapon and you can switch between them at any time. In dungeons you have to lose the shield because the lighting is poor and you have to carry a lantern instead hmm. uh, which makes it really really uh, tense because you can't block and you also can't block with your two-handed weapon either by the way which is a difference from from souls uh the lantern has some bad logic so you can't wear it on your belt during a fight but he'll happily put it on his belt when he's climbing <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh, i would get so mad at that <laughs> but i i I do have a uh, a guy that upgrades my lantern, so I don't know if there will be like a solution to that as I get a bit further in. I'm I'm sort of just over the halfway point in it now, so maybe he'll he'll give me a solution. Um, but it does make you think a bit about strategy because you can actually place the lantern anywhere on the ground, so you can lure enemies out, place your your lantern, and then you can see them while you fight. Um, but some of them do move you around a bit, so it's hard to stay. Uh, in the in the light areas. Um, so yes, that's that's mainly where it divulges. Um, what can I say? It's it's basically got everything I like. <laughs> like uh, Soul, Souls games are my jam, and this sort of hits all the right notes. the The combat is really good. the The boss fights, of which there are surprisingly few so far, are um, are fun, although not quite as skill based as a uh, Dark Souls, but I think a lot of that comes from the companion, who can like tag in and you know take the boss's focus while you sort of re- you know heal and and sort of steady yourself again. But but they all have uh, cool little gimmicks as well that you can uh, work towards to help make them a bit easier. I didn't talk about the presentation, so the art style is like hyper stylized. They're kind of cell shaded, uh, faceless. They they kind of look like those posable artist dolls, you know the ones. Yeah, uh, but but with their uh, beards glued to their faces, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, fantasy uh, clothing on and stuff. Um, and the world is like really painterly, like it feels like it's made up of broad strokes rather than tight details. But like any good painting, like it looks how you want to see it, and then when you get close, you can see how how broad those strokes are. Uh, it really has its own personality. Um, which it, it, it sort of defaults to the like autumn browns and stuff like that, but it, it never feels dull in that way that uh, 360 era video games sort of hit. Uh, <laughs> I think because of that art style really helps it. Um, and I, I just tweeted a picture now of the latest area I got to, and that's super colourful and, and really original. So yeah, uh, it's definitely got its own personality there. Uh, the music is where it lets itself down. It's mainly forgettable ambience. Uh, definitely not as iconic as others in the subgenre, uh, but you know when you get into yeah. uh, Im- important fights, it's got you know the bit of pump to it, and you know 
helps get helps get you in the rhythm. Uh, and performance, uh, I know Andrew was curious about this one. It's fine uh, if you've not experienced this on other platforms. I think you'd never know or care how well this runs. Um, I have had a couple of moments where the frame rate has dropped uh, down to almost a chug. Um, but it's only been like for a fraction of a second. There's been no clear cause that I can tell. Like it's nothing because there's like heaps of enemies or anything like that. Um, there's no pattern. I figure maybe it's the multiplayer and it's someone joining. Uh, that is just a guess. Don't take that as uh, gospel. Um, and the only other downside I would say is that the loading times between deaths are a bit excessive, and I imagine this is the one area that other platforms would trump it. Uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Uh, I I think it's a lot shorter than any of From's games, so if, if you're looking for a smaller scale uh, Dark Souls equivalent that uh, sort of hits all the right notes, this would be a good option for people, I think. Um, one of the reasons I played this, I actually dumped Assassin's Creed to get it done is because we've got Hellpoint coming out end of February and I'm kind of interested in that as well. Um, you know, continuing my loophole. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's Ashen. I, I, I really dig it so far. Um, and yeah, I think at over halfway point, I'm, you know, well over the point where I can say whether I'm enjoying it or not. Unless it takes a massive downturn. Yeah, I, I, I think this is one I recommend. So, any questions about Ashen? Um, I mean, you keep comparing it to Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which is famously not a beginner's game. Mm-hmm. Um, was, would this be something that you'd only recommend to, to Souls fans? Or Good question. I think it's easier than, than Souls. Um, okay. So I, I know there's always the constant debate about does, should Dark Souls have an easy mode? I'm really torn on that because having one doesn't affect anyone. Um, but also I think that challenge is core to the the themes and the experience that said the multiplayer is the easy mode like if you're if you're struggling like you can summon someone in and a lot of the time they'll just beat the boss for you it's <laughs> right. uh, it's it's you know and it's fair game it's a mechanic that exists for that purpose um the only thing where that falls down is if uh they pull the servers like they did with the original demon souls <laughs> so true <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, even some of the offline spirits are perfectly capable of soloing the bosses. Not all of them, but yeah. some of them. Are. Yeah, not all of them. And but although some of those rely on you keeping them alive at certain periods, so uh, yeah, they're, they're they're the sort of things that in Souls count as the quests. Um, would it be a good introductory Souls game? I think so. Um, I think the the familiar kind of quest structure would help people come to terms with that. Um, the the level design isn't quite up there with with Froms, which is something like playing a From a From game is is almost like reading a language. Like I can play any, and I can you know I can just tell where items are going to be, uh, where ambushes are going to be, and it's only when I get lapsed or overconfident where that comes to bite me in the backside. Um, yeah, it's because it's more open. It's not as, it doesn't feel as purposeful, and when it's directing you, except for when it's in a, a couple of places. But I think that familiar mission structure would help a lot of people reconcile uh the mechanics and the systems um speaking of souls like i keep going on about it on on twitter like lords of the fallen they need to get that on switch um and i i was thinking oh it might be just because it's a uh 
you know, a, a last, I'm going to call it last gen, PS4, Xbox One era game. Maybe it's it's too much, but it's on mobile, so there's no real excuse. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, it gets a lot of crap, but uh, I played it through three times, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> couldn't have been that bad. Um, and although the third time was mainly because I heard that there was a bug where you could make the end boss jump off a cliff uh, and <laughs> beat the game that way, and it totally works. It's great. Um, but you need to be at a certain power level for that to trigger. But uh, yeah, they they should bring that because I think that would be a, a, a perfect um, Souls like for Switch if they're intent on not bringing Dark Souls two, which I hope they do at some point. Sorry, that's enough of, of me rambling <laughs> about Souls and Souls likes and all that sort of stuff. Um, pat on the back for not saying Soulsborne because I hate that. Okay, uh, so let's move on. Jurassic Park. Souls Born. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jurassic World Evolution Complete Edition. Um, if there was ever any like popular franchise that would fit well with a management sim, this is it. <laughs> uh, and you know there've been a couple of stabs over the years, uh, but I feel like this is the best one. Um, I don't know if you've played any of the previous ones, Andrew. Well, I've been hearing positive buzz about Operation Genesis, which was an early 2000s PC game, but I never played it. Uh, but I think this is certainly the one that's gotten the most mainstream success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, Jurassic World Evolution Complete Edition is its a management sim with a dark corporate tone uh, where you play as an unnamed corporate bigwig who takes over management of failing dinosaur theme parks in Las Cinco Muertes, The Five Deaths. Uh, (laughs) And just like in the movies, uh, science has run amok and has used DNA extracted from fossils to create theme park monsters that resemble dinosaurs that uh, bring in a lot of tourism and a lot of money and inevitably things go wrong and they run amok and kind of the object of this game is to uh, prevent that from happening but there are uh, layers to that which i'll get to in a bit (laughs) uh the complete edition on switch includes the base game and it also has all the dlc in it there's the secrets of dr Wu, which adds some uh more missions and some new hybrid dinosaurs that you can unlock in the base game it also has claire's sanctuary which is based off of the volcano scenario in the Fallen Kingdom movie, the most recent movie, and then there's the Return to Jurassic Park, which is a uh, kind of a alternate universe story, which is all about what would happen if the characters from the original movie went back and actually tried to rebuild the park <laughs> in the early '90s, and they got all the the original cast back to play their parts in that as their they act as your advisor. So that that's kind of a, a fun thing for fans of the original movie Hmm. as a management game this has a rating based progression system where you start off in a fairly easy park and you just get it up to three stars and then that'll unlock a new park you can go to that has a different scenario different conditions you have to operate under like the first island i did was just your basic tutorial there wasn't really anything that could go wrong on this island it was just a place for me to learn the mechanics and get going but then the second island i got to uh, is regularly buffeted by storms so i have to learn how to keep my park up to code (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and uh 
you know, install weather stations so that way no one storms are coming. That kind of thing. And then the third island I unlocked, which I haven't actually gone there yet, uh, is deep in the red. Uh, so the situation there is I have to figure out how to get this bankrupt park operating again. <laughs> Whereas the first two islands, uh, I had basically as much money to do whatever I wanted with it. The game itself is divided more or less into two halves, although it's not really fair to call them halves because you don't really spend much time in one half. Uh, but there's guest accommodation and there's dinosaur science. And the guest accommodation is really straightforward, at least it has been for me so far. You just have to provide shelter, so like uh, a hotel and also a bunker for guests to run mm -hmm. to in the event or in the inevitability <laughs> one of your dinosaurs escapes and runs amok. <laughs> um, and uh, one thing I noticed in, in the stat screen is uh, it actually itemizes your injury lawsuits. <laughs> um, and you have to provide them with food and entertainment and you also have to provide them with transportation to the dinosaur exhibits because they get mad if they have to walk too far to see the dinosaurs. Uh, but that has so far been really easy for me to manage. Basically, I spend a few minutes when I first get to an island setting up those systems, and then I can just ignore them. They just take care of themselves. And the rest of the time I spend mm -hmm. on dinosaur science, which is the main focus of this game. I feel uh, dinosaur science is much deeper and more complicated. Uh, you start off with just these archaeological, paleontological, I should say, uh, expeditions that you can send out to dig sites all over the world. They bring back fossils. You check out the fossils in your lab to extract DNA. Uh, and once you have 50% of a dinosaur's DNA structure, they just fill in the holes with frog DNA because nothing is going to go wrong there. And uh, <laughs> then you can start growing your dinosaurs and releasing them into the exhibits. And then you've got a functioning dinosaur zoo. There are 67 total dinosaurs and other hybrid crimes against nature you can create. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the more of a fossil, the more fossils you find of each individual dinosaur, the more complete of a genetic code you have that create dinosaurs that basically give you higher ratings. That way your park becomes more popular and higher rated dinosaurs will bring in more money for you. But then there's also the genetic engineering aspect of things you can get into where you can just change the way the dinosaurs look just for a cosmetic thing. Or you can increase their defenses or their attack and a whole RPG stat system, so that way when the carnivores and the herbivores get into fights, which really excites your audiences and potentially brings you even any more money, you can get a whole basically uh, ethically questionable um, cockfighting, <laughs> basically. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, as I said, it's a really... It plays it completely straight, but this is a dark game. Mm-hmm. And you also have to care for your dinosaurs as well. Each dinosaur has a different needs that they need as far as the paddock they're kept in has to have a certain amount of water, has to have a certain amount of grassland, a certain amount of forest. They have different food sources they require. Like the herbivores are pretty easy to take care of. You just have to put an herbivore feeding area out for them that you restock every couple of hours. Uh, but that the carnivores, some of them need to be fed, you know, you just stick a goat out there. Some of them are happy with that. Others of them want to hunt. And then they also have social groups that they like to be a part of where there has to be a certain number of dinosaurs of the same species 
in their paddock for them to be happy and there's also an overall population group where if there are too many dinosaurs of any species around them then they'll start getting stressed out and uh, where i really ran into this problem was in these uh, dinosaurs called dracorexes which i do not recommend at all because uh, those things were just <laughs> temperamental little jerks who kept breaking down fences and just running on a rampage because there were too many dinosaurs around them. <laughs> I do not recommend Dracorexes at all. Just don't even bother. They are more trouble than they're worth. And I'm sure that the reason they give you the Dracorexes so early and they're so temperamental is to teach you this mechanic. I'm almost positive that's the way it was designed that way. <laughs> and while you're working on the islands, there's other obstacles you have to deal with. Like there's the weather, which I already mentioned. And because this is Jurassic Park, another big part of the game is corporate sabotage and corporate espionage i've already had one group sneak into my parks right after i bred my raptors which was you know fun uh they snuck into my park <laughs> and shut down my entire power grid so i had to go into my ranger station and i had to send my rangers out to reactivate all my power stations before any dinosaurs escaped while the power was down and uh that's something that's in the video clips of the game that are out there and it's pretty cool is you can actually drive around your parks in these ranger vans mm -hmm. and you can actually uh, medicate your dinosaurs and tranquilize them using a third person aiming system uh, it's a lot easier just to let the automated system do it but if you want to do it yourself you can uh, so i think that's a pretty cool system especially since as a management game you're not always doing something sometimes you're just waiting for the next situation you have to deal with to arrive so that that gives you something to do is you can just drive around in a jeep for a while mm -hmm. uh the main activities is as far as developing your park is you have to uh work with your three divisions there's entertainment and science and security who all ostensibly work for your company but they're all in competition with each other and they make no bones about that fact so you can accept contracts from any one of the three divisions and if you take a contract from science, it's probably going to make entertainment and security mad and your reputation with them is going to go down. <laughs> but if you build up a reputation up enough high enough with all of them, uh, then you can earn rewards. And like, it's not so severe where like if you take a science contract, entertainment is immediately going to go down to zero. It just loses some. So if you spread yourself out, it's possible but it takes a lot of work to max yourself out with all three divisions. You just got to time it right. But what's important about doing that is a lot of the rewards for like getting new dinosaur augments, uh, like changing their skins or making them more resilient or making it so that way they can handle a larger social group. You've got to work with your divisions to make that happen. And also there's quests on each island that each division will give you. You have to work your reputation up to that. And then that not only teaches you new mechanics and uh, introduces you to new dinosaurs, but works you a little bit through the story, such as it is that Jurassic World Evolution has a story. And as for how the game runs, like this is a console port, although a game like this is just kind of, I think, assumed to be played on a PC, although this one did simultaneously launch on PS4 and Xbox One mm -hmm. along with the PC version. Uh, so it is built a little bit more to involve consoles and i haven't really had many problems with the uh with the console controls it's not like two-point hospital which i i 
really complimented last year how you can just pause the game and just figure out how to build what it is you're trying to build with no consequences. Time is always running in this game, so you do have to kind of struggle with the with the build tool in some places, especially because the terrain tool, trying to even out your terrain and get your right amount of forest and your right amount of water and then put a fence around it with a joystick, uh, with the camera pulling in and out, and with the game running in real time so you're having to deal with other situations that are popping up while you're doing that, it's not as good as it could be with a mouse. It's, it's just not. But I still haven't felt like I've really been unable to enjoy the game because of the controls and the Switch port specifically I think is fantastic. I think it's a fabulous port. I haven't had any problems with how it runs. I think it looks really great. Like uh, I haven't had any complaints about the visuals yet, um, although I'm sure if I actually looked at it running on PlayStation 4 I'd be like, oh wow, this is a gorgeous game. <laughs> but uh, I think this holds up visually on Switch as well as it does on the other platforms. And then there's the, uh, you know, just incidental production stuff. Like, they got a lot of the original actors back for this, which is great. Like, they have Jeff Goldblum back as Ian Malcolm, who is, like, the iconic character from Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Um, it's Jeff Goldblum, but it's not Jeff Goldblum, because <laughs> we've talked about this, like, with Ghostbusters a couple years was that last year or was that two years ago? I don't even remember. Two uh, years ago, I think. Wow. Because <laughs> it would have been around Halloween. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Ghostbusters, we talked about how you know acting in front of a camera is different to its voice acting. And it's Jeff Goldblum, but it, it, it's not he. It's not quirky Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> so like with mm-hmm. the, when he throws in his Jeff Goldblum-isms, it, they sound scripted. So it sounds like somebody wrote an Ian Malcolm dialogue and then had Jeff Goldblum just read it as written. So it, it's not <laughs> as fun as a usual Jeff Goldblum role is, but it's still him. And uh, I, appreciate- I, I, I saw this great quote from him about how, uh, whenever people write movies with him in mind, they just write an exaggerated version of him. <laughs> so he's, he's always happy to do them because he just gets to be himself. <laughs> exaggerated. <laughs> See, I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought that, like, you know, all the uh, pauses and things that he puts in is just all him, and he's just improving. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, and like, and they have B.D. Wong is back as Doctor Wu, and like when B.D. Wong did Doctor Wu in the first Jurassic Park movie, he was a no-name actor in a very small part, but now he's like this really like famous actor, uh, and Doctor Wu is has a much bigger part in the modern Jurassic World movies compared to the original Jurassic Park movie. Well, he's kind of the villain, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's basically the villain of this yeah. game. He pops in from time to time to make, you know, sinister comments about what Science Division is getting up to. And uh, <laughs> there's the add-on, which I mentioned, The Secrets of Dr. Wu, where he basically draws you into uh, doing a lot of his highly unethical <laughs> hybrid dinosaur stuff and you know they escape they eat people stuff like that goes on uh they got bd wong here that's great and like i said the original cast is back for uh, the mission set at the original jurassic park which makes it all the more obvious that the character the actor they got to do chris pratt's character whose name i can't even remember because I, I i don't even care about jurassic world i just don't care uh, it's so obviously not Chris Pratt. <laughs> it's probably too political for him. Yeah. 
he he sounds like a like a pita dweeb basically he 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 pops up every now and then to to whine at you about how the dinosaurs are being treated <laughs> and yeah it, it's not chris pratt <laughs> my only real complaint about this game is it needs a physical release i mean that was why i didn't get it right at launch i was waiting for a good sale on it i grabbed it with some gold coins that i had saved up so i, I spent like almost nothing on it which is the only way i'll spend as much as this thing costs on a digital only release that's my only real complaint about it i think this is a a great management sim uh really just an awesome experience for jurassic park fans and uh just a great game all around. I enjoy it. Yeah, I've, I've played a bit on PC, um, and I've done that classic thing that I always do on management sims where I, I get attached to the first level, and I don't want to leave it because, you know, I've put work into this. I don't want to let it go. Well, if you can get to yeah. four stars on the first island, then you unlock the sandbox island, uh, mm-hmm. which, from what I've read, I hadn't gone there yet, but the way the it's explained when i unlocked it is it sounds like there's not even any money there you just go there and just build whatever you want which is okay that sounds fun weird <laughs> it's like a management game with no money restrictions <laughs> what okay sure whatever but yeah uh, i've just been focusing on the on the missions though because there's a lot so, of missions to get through with all this dlc <laughs> uh, just a couple of things I, I was going to say. BD One, like you can just tell he loves his character as well, even though it started off as a bit part character. Oh, yeah, he's um, having so much fun doing this. Like he, uh, he even did a uh, the evil psychiatrist in Batman. He he was that guy in, mm-hmm. on Gotham. It was basically the same character. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, the other thing I like because I've just pretty much uh, I've watched all the the Jurassic Park movies in the last couple of weeks, sort of by accident, um, and mainly because I haven't seen the world movies. Uh, still haven't got to Fallen Kingdom yet, but uh, I love how they use uh, BD Wong to explain how uh, you know real paleontology has now decided that you know dinosaurs had feathers and all that, and they use his character with a line to say like because <laughs> these are genetic reconstructions and we're filled in the DNA, then they don't look like the originals. Like that, I liked that as their little loophole for getting around the whole uh, what dinosaurs actually look like and what we know now, like. Oh, God knows how many years on, like, 20, 30 years from Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, we're, so, into we're so old, Andy. We're so old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they even covered that in Jurassic Park 3, where Dr. Grant is giving that seminar mm-hmm. to some college students, and he's like, what InGen created at Jurassic Park was genetically engineered theme park monsters, not dinosaurs. So, like, mm-hmm. they've had that covered for 20 yeah. years. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, I definitely need to go back and play more of it. Uh, I uh, and I, the thing I spent more time on though, because it was just after I built my PC and I wanted to give it a, a test. I love the driving around stuff, and I love the uh, just observing the dinosaurs. You know, my, you know, manipulating the camera and the photo mode and all that. Because I, like, even though management sims have come on. Uh, that much and like even in the old you know original theme park you could ride the roller coasters you built um in with with this just being able to get down to that really fine ground level blew my mind uh, and i'm delighted to hear that is uh just as impactful uh, on on switch um as much as you don't need to do it <laughs> 
It, it is fun. Like those tourist like spheres that were a big thing in the Jurassic World movie. Like you can ride around in those too. And I unlocked a mm-hmm. monorail system. I haven't built one yet because it's super expensive. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm hoping I can ride in that too because that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, anything that lets you get down into like that ground level part of your your park, I think, is really neat. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's that's uh, my part done. Andrew's part done. Tori, quick uh, half an hour monologue on the game you've played. <laughs> Nothing on Switch, but I've been playing <laughs> games again. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, anything you want to add to this week's episode, Tori? Can't really think of anything. I mean, I'll have plenty to talk about with Mario and um, Persona mm-hmm. 5 Strikers. Yep, Mario's this week, isn't it? This Friday, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, let's skip uh, along to the official section for that. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so what are we playing in this coming week? Tori, we'll start with you. Uh, Super Mario 3D World and right. Bowser's Fury. <laughs> I hadn't seen that coming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and Andrew? Uh, I got a code for a new indie proc gen action game called Undermine, which I've been playing, and I'll be talking about that next week after the embargo is up. And I'm also picking up Little Nightmares 2, which is a, a sequel, obviously, to a an indie horror platformer from a few years back that was pretty solid. I am uh, have some high hopes for this one. Yeah, I remember you talking about that one. Uh, and, and me, I'm just going to keep going with Ashen and uh, hit Super Mario 3D World uh, when that launches. Uh, very much looking forward to that. It, it's kind of fresh in my mind because I've recently been playing uh, Sackboy A Big Adventure on, on PS5 in co-op with my wife. Um, and that is just such a love letter to 3D World. <laughs> yeah, I watched a little bit of gameplay of it. I see it. Yeah, it's a, they've completely got rid of all the little big planetisms and they have just made it uh, an enjoyable little uh, fixed perspective 3D platformer. Uh, and I dig it. So yeah, that that especially has got me more hyped than I was for Mario. So looking forward to that. Thanks for listening to this episode of N Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X, when they come back from their hiatus. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. All the links are in our show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a Game Podular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andy, and you can follow them at Toast on Twitter, Andrew at PlayCritically on Twitter, as well as long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com, and myself at Stew2, that's S-T-W-T-W-O on Twitter.